I'm Pastor Mark. It's good to welcome you to worship today. My name is Pastor Ellis, and welcome, especially welcome if you are back, having joined us last week at Easter, and you're kind of new around here. We're really excited you decided to spend another weekend with us here at Chapel Hill. And if you are new, let me tell you, this is a really exciting time to be with us, because over the next three weeks, we're going to be talking with you about something that's that's really ignited a passion in our congregation here at Chapel Hill, and and maybe it'll, it'll, it'll ignite a passion in you as well. Yep. This morning we're beginning a a three-week mini-celebration. One of the things we've learned about ourselves as a staff and leadership team is that we're so focused on what's next that sometimes we don't stop for a moment and just celebrate what the Lord has done. And we feel like there's a lot to be celebrated about what God has been doing in this uh, last year. If you're visiting with us, you may not know that over the last 30 years, the Lord has blessed us to build a, a number of buildings on this property that we have been able to use not only for our own purposes, but in the service of our community. And I think it's fair to say that what God has done in and through these walls uh, has exceeded the expectations even of our, our most adventurous and, and aggressive uh, church parents that were before us. But uh, this last year, the leaders of this church began to ask Uh, this question. What would happen if we could pay off the remaining debt on these wonderful walls that the Lord has allowed us to build? What if we could pay off that $5.4 million of debt and take the mortgage payments, which are about $600,000 every single year, how's that for a mortgage payment, and invest them beyond these walls? Not to build another building, not to add another piece of land, but to invest in our community and in our peninsula like we have never done before. So that became a burning uh, passion of your elders, of your pastors. We were, were asking the Lord, could we do this? And so we called it Beyond These Walls, and that is a, a phrase that has really resonated with our congregation, we have heard. And so a year ago, we began to cast the vision that we just shared with you in small groups and in large and in worship services. We, we began to cast the vision, and then we waited to see what you thought. Because if you didn't lay hold of this, if this didn't take a, a place in your own heart, it was never going to happen. And so on June 18th, we found out, didn't we? I will never forget that moment in my ministry. We, uh, they brought an envelope up to me. And, and you uh, knew exactly what was in it. I did not know exactly what was in there. I promise you I did not. Remember, it was $5.4 million of debt uh, that we had to deal with. And when I opened the envelope and looked at what you had sacrificially pledged, the amount was five million four hundred and twenty eight thousand one hundred and thirty seven dollars it was amazing amazing grace yeah there were 700 families who had been a part of that some were small gifts some were large gifts it didn't matter though together you all had said we're in we believe in this beyond these walls vision and i'll never forget the moment yeah me me either although the reality is pledges that one thing Money in the bank, that's something else, am I right? So how are we doing? How are we doing? You just heard that we're calling the next three weeks Momentum, so that gives you a little bit of an idea of how we're doing. And the next three weekends, we're going to share with you the exciting progress of, uh, of what's been happening and take a look at what we believe God has yet to do in us as a church. Now, it's important to understand that Beyond These Walls initiative is a three-year initiative. And every dollar that is given to Beyond These Walls is going to go to paying down the debt on our property. And only once we've paid down the debt will we free up those mortgage payments 
in order to do more than we're doing right now. So, so in a sense, right now, we're, we're kind of one lap into a three-lap race. Seems like we say that over and over again, but it's too important not to understand. Yeah. First lap of a three-lap race, but still, we feel like we've gotten off to a fast start. And so we wanted to celebrate what I think will be very exciting news for you, to look back at what has really been nine months since the June date that we got your, your commitments to see what you have done in response to the pledges you made. So remember, $5.4 million in debt, $5.4 million or so in pledges. And to date, we have money in the door of $2,066,222. That's astounding. In fact, you, you have been so generous, we have actually been able to pay off one of our three mortgages. There's three of them. We've paid off one of them, and I'm so excited about that that in a couple of weeks to culminate our celebration, we're going to burn those suckers right here in the service, right in church. Pa- yeah, yes, we, real fire. I mean, Pentecost fire, but yeah, we're going to let that baby on fire. Dan Griswold, our facilities manager, is thrilled at the idea of having open flame burning, but we are going to burn it up, baby. We're going to do it. And we're actually, at the pace that you're going right now, we're about $600,000 of where we expect, ahead of where we expected to be. And at this rate, uh, we will pay off all of those mortgages in a little more than two years, June 2000. And 20, we are going to pay off every dime of debt that we have remaining. So thank you. That is really worth celebrating. Thank you. And don't let your foot up off of the gas. Just because we've had a good start, uh, Cindy and I are about a third of a way through our gift. It sounds like a lot of you are in the same place. So we got a great start. We need to keep going. Yeah, we've got to keep going. And it's, also, it's also worth remembering that beyond these walls... Has never primarily been about paying down debt. Beyond These Wars has primarily been about freeing up resources so that we, as the church, can go beyond these walls and make a difference in this community. And just because we're, we're still two years away from paying down the debt and freeing up those resources, that, that doesn't mean that we can't begin to align our staff and our, our strategies and our ministries around this contagious vision that we feel God has given us. And so we've begun to look at everything that we're doing through this Beyond These Walls lens and ask ourselves, what can we do now, today, for no money or, or out of our existing general budget in order to lay the foundation for what we're going to be able to do in a couple of years' time. Pastor Ellis said that if you're new to us, uh, this is actually a wonderful time for you to get an idea of what makes our hearts beat. Uh, so you're listening in on a little uh, family conversation, and, and I want to remind all of us that it would be new to you what we said we wanted to do beyond these walls. We said there were three ways that we wanted to reach out beyond the walls of this wonderful facility. We, we said it this way, multiplying life groups, releasing leaders, and Loving Gig Harbor. Those were the three. Remember those? Multiplying life groups. We want to multiply the number of people in small group communities that are moving into their neighborhoods, releasing leaders, and Loving Gig Harbor. So we discovered in this last year that you love Beyond These Walls, and the other three things were a little confusing for you. For instance, the releasing leaders. I thought it made perfect sense. Uh, We have raised up 15 pastors over the last 30 years. We have raised up 21 missionaries. And we've raised them up and trained them and released them out into the world. It apparently was a little confusing, though. Every week in your bulletin, you've seen one of those pastors that we have released. And we call them the released leader. And the idea is we would pray for these people that God has raised up and that we have sent out. 
Well, one Sunday after Pastor Jeremy Vaccaro was listed in the bulletin as our released leader, a woman came up after service. She was very concerned. She pulled me to the side because she didn't want to say anything embarrassing. But she said with very deep concern in her heart and her eyes, she said, where has Pastor Jeremy been released from? <laughs> I always thought he was a dodgy character yeah, myself. Yeah, he was kind of dodgy. Yeah. That's why we sent him to Fresno. <laughs> She said, I'll be praying for him wherever he is. I thought, okay, well, this poor lady just kind of got a little messed up, and it's not that big of a deal. The next week, Pastor Stuart Bond's name was in the bulletin. Same thing. Where has Pastor Stuart been released from? A different person. Third week, same thing, three weeks three in weeks. a row. I said, okay, that language doesn't work. We ain't releasing leaders no more, so we got to come up with a different way of talking about it. And that wasn't the only one. Loving Gig Harbor, uh, as much as, as we intended it to communicate something, for, for 10% of our congregation who come from Port Orchard and Kitsap County, it, it unfortunately communicated something of, of an exclusivity about Gig Harbor. We never intended to do that by so the use of that sorry. language. Yes, we're, we're sorry. sorry. We like you if you come from Port Orchard, yes. so we're very sorry. Yeah. We? <laughs> <laughs> and so, so we made a decision. We need to be clearer with our language based upon the feedback that we've received. And so going forward, the three initiatives of Beyond These Walls that we're going to be talking about are these. Making disciples, sending leaders, and loving our neighbors. Let's see those, say those three things together, would you? All right, yeah. let's clap All it right. first. All right. They like it. No more releasing. Yeah, let's say, let's say them together. Making, Making disciples, disciples, sending leaders, leaders loving, loving our, our neighbors. neighbors. And this morning, we're going to be focusing on loving our neighbors. Our Bible story from this morning, it comes from the book of Acts. Acts is the book that, that follows right off the back of what we were celebrating last week, the story of Easter. It's the story of uh, the disciples, the, the followers of Jesus, who'd encountered the risen Christ. And then they had an even more powerful encounter with the spirit of the risen Christ on the day of Pentecost. And, and these men ended up going on to turn the world upside down. And this morning, we're going to meet one man whose life was completely transformed because of these disciples. This citation comes from Acts chapter 3. This is our text, Acts chapter 3. Now, when Peter and John were going up to the temple at the hour of prayer, at the ninth hour, and a man lame from birth was being carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple called the beautiful gate to receive alms from those entering the temple. And seeing that Peter and John were about to go into the temple, he asked to receive alms from them. And Peter fixed his gaze upon that man, as did John, and said, look at us. And the man fixed his attention on them, expecting to receive something from them. But Peter said, I have no silver and gold, but what I have I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and he raised him up and immediately his feet and ankles were made strong. And leaping up, he stood and began to walk and entered the temple with them walking and leaping and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God and recognized him as the one who sat at the beautiful gate of the temple asking for alms. And they 
were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Lord Jesus, would you fill us with wonder and amazement today? Would you remind us of what happens in our lives and in the lives of those that are dear to us when we trust in the powerful name of Jesus? For we pray this in his name. Amen. Amen. All right, I want to start with a tricky question. What was the greatest gift that Peter and John gave to that man that day? And we might be immediately tempted, of course, to say his legs. Here was a poor man who had never walked all of his life. He was lame from birth. He had to suffer the indignity of being carried day by day by friends who would deposit him at the door of the church, of their church. And he would put a basket out of some sort and hope that some of the worshipers would draw up a few shekels in so that he might be able to eat that day. This was the life that this poor man had lived. And yet suddenly in this story we discover that a man who's never walked, his feet and his ankles are made strong. He's not only walking, he's walking and leaping. It's an amazing story. And you would naturally say, well, the most transformational gift that he received, of course, was the gift of his legs. But really, that's not the greatest gift he received. What is the greatest gift that man received that day? It was the name of Jesus the name of Jesus, for it was in the name of Jesus that this man, who had never walked before, was suddenly able to walk. As a matter of fact, every good thing, every powerful thing that the early church did, it was always in the name of Jesus. And we hear that in Paul, when Paul had to say. He said, I have no silver and gold to give you, but what I do have, I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ, rise up and walk. And the man got up. Absolutely incredible. And then we read what he did next. It says he was, he was walking and leaping and praising God. Because this man knew that what he had received was a gift from God in and through the person of Jesus Christ. And because he was praising God, everyone around him got to see that the gift he'd received came from God yep. in the name of Jesus Christ. The greatest gift this man received was not his new legs. The greatest gift that this man received that day was the name of Jesus Christ. Because in the name of Jesus Christ, he not only got new legs, but he also got a brand new relationship with God. And he got a testimony to share with the whole world that was going to change the world forever. One time someone asked Jesus this question. He said, Rabbi, what is the greatest commandment? What is the greatest? Of all of the commandments, what is the greatest one? And if you recall, Jesus actually answered with a twofer. He first of all said the greatest commandment is that you love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. He might have stopped there, but he doesn't stop there. Because he goes on to say, and the second is like it, you will what? Love your neighbor Neighbor. as yourself. Love God and love your neighbor. You would have, you know, Jesus always exalted the name of the Heavenly Father. He was always lifting up the name of God. And so you would expect that a really religious person like Jesus would say that the, that the loving God would be the number one priority, the greatest commandment of all that we might obey. But he doesn't stop there. He says you've got to love God and immediately you've got to love your neighbor. In other words, he was saying that if you don't love your neighbor, then your love of God is phony. And if you love your neighbor, it is one of the ways that you demonstrate the heart that you have of your love for God. The two, he said, 
are inextricably linked. We love our neighbor, but we love God first. Love God, love neighbor. And we saw that in the Easter story that we, that we shared last week. How many were here for Easter last week? Raise your hand. Wasn't it something? The Holy Spirit was just at work in a powerful way. And we heard the account of Jesus in the early days of his ministry, who was doing such remarkable miracles of healing and even delivering people from evil spirits to the point that they were being crushed. He was being, they had the potential of being crushed by the crowd. They had to float him out on a, on a boat out on the water in order to keep him from being crushed by the, the people who had gathered around him. You know, I've always thought we should get you a floating pulpit. You I think, think that I, would I, work I, well I, for yeah. me? A floating pulpit. I might pulpit. push you over there. Right. I might kind of fall. So. <laughs> this was what Jesus was experiencing in the early days. The crowds were pressing in on him. And it, he was living out. He just didn't talk his religion. So many people talk a good game. He didn't just talk his religion. He was living out his religion in acts of mercy and kindness that demonstrated he knew where people were coming from. He knew their hearts, their pains, their, the shortcomings in their life, and he loved them anyhow and wanted to address those very real needs. And when he did that, he opened up for them to receive the teachings of the kingdom of God. This is hard to think about because we think, man, if someone could do a miracle, that would be the greatest thing to witness. But for Jesus, the miracles that he did were never an end in of themselves. He never pointed, look at that spectacular thing that I just did. In fact, often he would say, shh, don't tell anybody. For him, the miracles were a means to a far greater end, and that was to demonstrate that the real salvation, the real mercy of God had been had been, had been brought to the earth in the person of himself, of Jesus, who was the Savior come to rescue his world. Yeah. I was just thinking that's, that's why John's gospel refers to them as signs. Yes. Because they were pointing they were at something else, Everyone more than just themselves. Sign. Yeah. One of the Beyond These Walls strategies that, that, that we talked about that, that really resonated with us was loving Gig Harbor, or as, as we're now calling it, loving our neighbors. It's the idea that, that in three years, we can invest even more significantly in partnerships that address those real human needs. And this, this really excited us. And we're already beginning to lay the foundation for those partnerships uh, that, that we believe could accomplish the sort of things that we dream of. Fish Food Bank here in, in Gig Harbor. I don't know if you saw the article in the News Tribune this weekend. They're looking at a, a new piece of property to build, uh, expand their, um, their, their ministry to a bigger building um, out over by Hunt and 16. Well, last year, our session said to them that Chapel Hill wanted to provide the first large matching gift to their building fund as a challenge to the other, organiza- other organizations in the community to do the same. Um, another example is, is the rescue mission. Pastor Larry is, is on the board of the rescue mission. Something they're dreaming of right now that we're, we're, we're thinking, man, this would be great to partner with them in doing this, is building a, a tiny home community for homeless veterans. Wouldn't that be awesome to send, send teams and, and do that? And then one, one more. Last November, we opened the, the first chapter of WIC on this side of the bridge. WIC stands for Women, Infants, and Children. It serves under-resourced moms and their babies uh, with, the, with the necessary resources and health care that they might need. And WIC 
happens in this building two times every week. And right now, they're serving 195 clients every month. And that number grows every week single by week. week. It's yeah. getting larger and larger. Yeah. And I can tell when, we, when Ellis tells you these things that it's exciting for you. you it, it really touches something. It resonates with your heart. And it should. These are wonderful, exciting, and practical ways for us to love our neighbors. And we do so because every person is created in the image of God. Every person is precious to God. And because of that, we are called to love them and to care for them uh, in the same way that the early church did. So I think it's one of the reasons that it just rings true for you. And I'm so glad we have a church that, that feels that way about giving ourselves away. But here's the crucial point that I want us to understand and really kind of the, the heartbeat of the message today. The early church did everything they did, and they did a lot of things to care for the, the dispossessed and the marginalized of their time. The early church, everything they did, they did it in the name of Jesus. It is not enough to offer acts of mercy and kindness. Uh, it's not enough to do those things just to, to those in need. There are countless organizations that already do that. What sets us apart, what must always set us apart as the church of Jesus is that we offer acts of mercy and kindness in the name of Jesus Christ. It is a good thing to do good things. It is a good thing to feed and to clothe and to minister to and to house those in need. But we can never forget that every act of mercy and kindness is an opportunity for us to lift up the name of Jesus, to open the door for lost people to discover the passion that God the Father has for them and the longing He has to call them home. Let me put it even more strongly, because I have watched churches and entire denominations, we used to be one, who got down, went down the road of doing good and kind things, and they fought, forgot the reason that they were doing it. So let me, let me be even stronger about it. If we do acts of mercy and kindness, but to neglect to lift up the name of Jesus in doing so, we are not really loving our neighbors at all, because we have failed in the most important calling that we possess. Anyone can feed. Anyone can heal. Anyone can clothe or house others. It is only Jesus who provides the deepest inner healing that we need from the sin that, that we have. It is only Jesus that can breach the, the gap that exists between us and our Heavenly Father, a gap that God longs to fill. If we heal and feed and clothe and house and neglect to name the name of Jesus as our reason for doing so, we have ultimately failed those whom we have intended to help. Yeah, preach it. Salvation in the name of Jesus is, is the best and most important way that we can love our neighbors. And that's why we are so excited about Alpha. Alpha is taking that life-changing message of the power of the name of Jesus and it's putting it in a place where people can experience it from themselves, no matter where they're coming from. No matter if, if they've never been to church in their life before, if, they, if they've never even heard the name of Jesus before, if they've been burnt by the church before, no matter where people come from, Alpha is a safe place where they can come and explore the meaning of life. And ultimately, our hope is that they would find that meaning of life in and through the name of Jesus Christ. It, it may perhaps be the, the best way that we can love our neighbors. And if that isn't beyond these walls, I don't know what is. 
Last week we heard the story, if you were here at Easter, of Colin and his experience of Alpha, his life change. Well, Colin's not the only one whose life has been changed by Alpha. In fact, across the world, 27 million people have been through Alpha. They did a, a global survey back in 2016 to try to work out what's, what's the impact of Alpha been across the world. And what they found out was that of those non-Christians who have done Alpha, 82% of them now describe themselves as followers of That's Jesus. Amazing Incredible, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. And so we want you to hear a few more stories from our own season of Alpha that began in January so that you can hear the sort of stuff that God's been doing here at Chapel Hill. My Alpha experience has been phenomenal. I came because I felt like I was at a time in my life where I was lost. And I came in order to kind of dig deeper into finding fulfillment for myself. And I found that here at Alpha, and I found the fellowship that I was looking for. And I am proud to say I've been to every single one, start to finish. My Alpha experience has been superlative. I've enjoyed every single session. Well, the Alpha experience has been really great, actually. I wouldn't say it's changed me, but it's uh, somewhat forced me, or I've, I've gotten interested in digging deeper into biblical uh, areas that I've uh, somewhat uh, have uh, neglected, and I've, uh, the deeper I dig, uh, the more questions I have, actually. It's been a lot of fun, uh, made a lot of new friends, uh, really got to experience the Holy Spirit. Yeah, my Alpha experience um, was a lot different than I was anticipating. Um, I really got into it to kind of learn different avenues and answers for answering other people's questions but I really got a bunch of it out for me. I got a bunch out for me, and um, that was really unexpected. The experience has changed me in ways that I never thought imaginable. Now, after these 11 weeks, I consider myself a follower of Jesus Christ. Well, I started reading the Bible, um, had the powerful experience at the retreat. I pray better. I know that. Um, it's actually been kind of an emotional experience for me, too. I think, I, I don't know that I'm like 100% there yet. Um, I lost my way for a while, and I'm trying to kind of find that again. So um, I feel, I definitely feel a better connection. I leave every Wednesday uplifted, thinking, I'm going to be a better Christian. <laughs> I'm getting a better definition of Christianity. If somebody was debating coming and they were in a similar place to where I was, I would use something that I've used for the majority of things in my life, and that is just show up. Just show up and see what happens. I would highly recommend it to any, anyone to attend it because there's no risk. <laughs> just go. Like, if you don't like it, you don't have to show up the time after, but if you go once, you'll want to go again. Do it. Whether you're agnostic, atheist, even if you think you're a terrific Christian, do it because you will see so many perspectives that maybe you haven't thought through, and it will also pique your curiosity and you might start digging deeper. Yeah, you're free to make your own choices and your own decisions. There's nothing pushed on you. 
good experience. I really enjoyed it. Oh man, do not miss this opportunity. Like, if someone who grew up as a Christian can get something out of it, there is something for everyone here. And I can say that without a shadow of a doubt. Please come and give it a shot. Alpha is so powerful, so powerful, and and perhaps is the ultimate expression of how we can love our neighbors in the name of Jesus. And here's the best thing. You don't have to wait until we paid off the debt to get involved with Alpha. All right? We have another season of Alpha starting in two weeks, April 25th. And if you find yourself here this morning and you're asking questions, you're you're asking about what what is my purpose in life or who is this Jesus and can he really make that difference? Is that stuff they were saying on there really true? Then I want to invite you to come to Alpha. We would love to host you as you explore those deeper questions. And even if you're not in that place, you're not asking those questions, that you do call yourself a follower of Jesus, we want you to be involved as well. In your your bulletins, you'll you'll find one of these inserts. And and this isn't intended for you to take home and slap on your fridge. This is intended as a tool for you to use. Alpha works because people invite people people. It doesn't primarily work by putting up posters or flyering. It works because people like you look at their neighbors and they make a decision to love them in the name of Jesus. And then they say to them, hey, would you come with me to Alpha? And your neighbor's probably going to say, what's Alpha? So you better be prepared to answer it. This is how I like to respond to that question. I say, it's, it's a safe space where you can explore the meaning of life. Every week we have a meal, it's free, we listen to an alpha talk, and then we have a discussion where you can say or ask anything that you want to. One of the people in that video is my literal neighbor. I met him at the park with our kids, and I invited him to come to Alpha. And over the course of Alpha, he made a decision to follow Jesus, and we're going to be hosting a table together at this next season of Alpha. Isn't that awesome? That's great. You can do this. You can invite your neighbors. You can love them in the name of Jesus in this way. So if you need more invite cards, we got them at the back. Go grab some on your way out and start inviting people. And as well as inviting people, we need help to host the guests that are going to show up. We need people to come and greet. We need people to come and cook the meal that people are going to eat. We need people to come and pray. Alpha works by prayer. That's the secret. Don't tell anyone. Okay? We need people to pray. We need people to host tables. We need people to set up and tear down. It doesn't matter if you're you're an extrovert like me or an introvert. We have a place for you to serve and love your neighbor in the name of Jesus. If if you want to volunteer with Alpha, head to that website address up there on the screens, chapelhillpc.org slash alpha. Click volunteer, and you'll see a ton of options. Even if you just come for one week, we have a space for you. We want you to be a part of our team as we do this together. And who wouldn't want to be part of something like this? I mean, it's so exciting to see people coming to, to Christ, to coming to a new, for a new understanding of life that they've never had before. Jesus, when he taught his disciples, he said, I want you to do this. I want you to offer a cup of cold water in my name. 
And, and I think it was very intentional. There were two parts to this ministry. I, and I think that's what we want to do with this Beyond These Walls ministry. We want to offer a cup of cold water. We want to meet people in their physical needs, in their, in their emotional needs, in their housing needs, and so forth. We want to be there for them. And we want to do so in the name of Jesus. And every time we gain, gain a, a hearing for the name of Jesus because of something that we've done, some kind thing. It's a chance for us to point, point, point to Jesus Christ and say, he's the one, he's the reason we're doing this. He's the only one that can provide the real life that you long to have. Our ultimate goal as a church, the ultimate way that we can love our neighbors is to invite them into a living, saving relationship with Jesus Christ. That's why last weekend was so exciting for so many of us. We had... A big crowd here last weekend. And we don't ordinarily invite someone to respond in, in, in the service, in the Easter service. But we just felt led like we ought to do this. In the last year, we had like 38 people who had made first-time professions of faith. And honestly, we weren't happy with that. We, we felt, we began to pray and said, Lord, we want you to do more. We want to bring more people into your kingdom. And so we said, let's do this on Easter. And so at the end of the sermon, if you'll recall, I asked you all to bow your head. Some of you cheated because I saw you. But yeah, mostly I cheated. you cheated. Yeah. You bowed your head and closed your eyes. And I said, if you want this life that you hear described, the life that you've longed for, if you want to follow Jesus, just raise your hand and look at me. And, uh, and we'd had 38 professions the year before, the entire year. Last weekend, we had 36 people who made professions to, of faith in Jesus wow. Christ. Wow. It, yeah. To the best of my knowledge, it's the largest single response of faith that we've had in a weekend. And here's what we came out of that saying. That is only a start. Mm. We increasingly want to be a church whose heart is turned out. Not only that we love and care for and enjoy being together, but our hearts are out. Our eyes are out. Our heads are on a, a swivel to invite others to come and experience what we have experienced. To experience Jesus, the only one who can, provide, who can meet the deepest spiritual needs that we have. Only in the powerful name of Jesus is this possible. Silver and gold have I not, he said. But what I do have, I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up. And don't we want to call more and more people in the name of Jesus Christ to rise up to the life they have never known before? Join me in prayer. Thank you, Jesus, for what you are doing. Thank you for the power that is ours through your Holy Spirit. Thank you that this just didn't happen 2,000 years ago, that that you are still alive. Your Spirit is still at work. You are still calling people to rise up out of whatever it is that binds them, whatever paralyzes them, whatever it is that immobilizes them. You still call us to rise up and to walk and to leap and to praise you. Thank you that you're doing that in in our lives. Thank you that you're doing it in the the lives of new folks. Thank you that we saw that in one of the women on that video. Thank you that she gave her life to Christ last weekend. We just celebrate that. And we pray that you might be using us, Lord, more and more for that purpose. We're going to receive an offering. And we acknowledge, God, that every gift that we have comes from you. This is not our doing, it's yours, your kindness. And so as we give back, it's our way of saying, first of all, we know that you, you are the giver of all gifts. And secondly, we are grateful. And we want to be a part of what it is you are doing. So Lord, on this day when we're giving to our offering or giving to our Beyond These Walls initiative, whatever, would you bless every gift, every dollar, 
to the end that every name will hear, every person will hear the name, the powerful name of Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray. Amen.